This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Media Airtime LLC and Matt Mattern. As you may know, your host, Matt Mattern of Unite and Heal America, is also the founder of Mattern Law Group. Their team of experienced employment, consumer, and environmental attorneys are dedicated to leveling the playing field by giving everyone access to the highest quality legal representation. Contact 844-MLG-FOR-YOU. That's 844-MLG-FOR-YOU or 844-654-4968. You're listening to KBC 790, Unite and Heal America. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and today we've got Mayor Rex Paris as guest on the program. Why I asked Mayor Rex to be on the show was uh, kind of beyond the obvious accomplishments as mayor. Uh, Rex has led the city to be one of the most environmentally sustainable cities uh, on the planet since he became mayor in 2008. So I think what Rex has done in Lancaster is many ways a roadmap for the rest of the country uh, and the rest of the wider world. So uh, we should be studying Lancaster kind of like the Harvard Business School does case studies on successful companies to see what's worked and what was their secret sauce. So Mayor, without further ado, please tell us your secret sauce and what has brought about the great success that you've had and Lancaster has had over the last uh, 14 years? Basically, it was after I got elected. I mean, I, when I got elected, I was believing the, the mantra that, you know, climate change was a Chinese plot to take over the world. And when I realized and studied it and became aware that we really are facing extinction as a species, we're going to, if we don't do something dramatic very soon, we will not exist. Uh, and once I realized that, then it becomes pretty easy to set your your vision and set your priorities. And, and once the rest of the the city staff and the rest of the council caught on to that, we we just have a united goal of trying to save the planet. We're not even trying to save the city. We're we're trying to be the model for other cities to follow, so we might have we might have a fighting chance. And uh, that was the goal, you know, in 2008, and it's still the goal today. So, yeah, that's that is great. You've got to start at the top and you've got to have a goal and a, and a vision, certainly uh, to shoot for. How is your goal or how is your strategy changed over the years in terms of effectuating the plan? Well, when we started, there was no ability to effectuate the plan. I mean, we were doing piecemeal things. We were the first city that required uh, solar panels on all houses. We were the first city that required all housing to be net zero, meaning you produce your own electricity and you store it in a battery and you could go off the grid if you wanted to. Uh, the state of California is now adopting that model. There was a lot of firsts in what we did. A lot of it was just common sense stuff. You know, when one day I looked at it and I realized it was taking them six months to get a get a uh, permit, a building permit to put solar panels on a roof. And, you know, when I when I heard that, it was real easy to fix it. I went in and I said, from now on, it takes 45 minutes. <laughs> That's what it takes now. <laughs> yeah. It, it was that simple. The uh, it, But there was a lot of other things. You know, we traveled the world. Uh, you know, 
we, I, my, my wife and I are blessed with the level of success that I can afford that. And so I, you know, I did it on my, my money, not the city's money, took city staff with me. And we found ways to, to effectuate these changes that other cities were doing across the planet. Uh, and then since then, you know, the world has caught on that we have got to put all of our resources into this. And, you know, now I think there is a technological solution. Matter of fact, I think there's a couple of them. So we have a chance, you know, but, but it's still the number one priority in Lancaster. We're, we will be the first hydrogen city in the, in the country. We're slowly going to be switching everything over to hydrogen fuel cells. But, it, you know, it took a while to convince people that this was real. But what sold them was not that it's real and not that it's, it's you know, an existential threat. It, first of all, it's not an existential threat. It's an existential certainty, existential meaning the end. But it was profitable. You know, we made so much money doing this stuff that, you know, I, I actually see a day where we will double our budget and not raise taxes at all. Uh, I mean, and think about it. You know, if you, if you get your energy, you know, 18,000 feet down in a, and you have to drill for it, that's really, really expensive. You know? But if you take it from the sun for free, you know, who do you think is going to have the competitive advantage? So we, you know, we started our own uh, community choice aggregate where we buy and sell the power. Now I'm able to set rates for new businesses coming in so we can do inducements to get them to come in. Uh, it, it, everything we've done has created more money, not less. The, uh, our transportation agency, we were the first, and I think we still are the only, transportation agency in America that's all electric. All of our buses are electric. But there's, we, we're first in something else. We're the only profitable public transportation agency in the country. The only one. And why? We don't have to pay for gas. I mean, it's just one. And we get carbon credits, to be perfectly frank. So even people who are climate extinction doubters, they see this as, wait a minute, this is a good idea. Uh, and it is a good idea. Well, I think that that's uh, brilliant. And I'm kind of of the mindset of doing things that are utilitarian. I mean, if we can make it make sense and also do good. <clears throat> so you can bring along those people, like you said, that are doubters, because you say, forget the fact that this is saving the planet. We're making money. And then right. that, that's that's a hard one for uh, people to to turn down when you say, "Hey, dollars and cents, this pencils out. This is the this is the money maker." And and it's going to just prove itself even more in the future. I mean, you know, we're incredibly vulnerable. The grid is incredibly vulnerable. That big earthquake comes, we're going to be without power for a long time. Hopefully, at least Lancaster, we're going to have microgrids everywhere, and we're not going to need the grid. Yeah, that that's the goal. Well, that's uh, that's something that uh, I've talked a little bit about on the program, but probably a lot of listeners are not tuned into the the microgrid concept, which is uh, I'll explain my uh, kindergarten understanding of it, which is people have batteries, whether individuals or businesses or communities, where they're storing some of their power that they're generating from 
their solar rooftops or maybe they have a wind uh, device. And then, uh, so they're kind of off the grid. So if the grid kind of fails, they they have some power source. Uh, I don't know if that's correct exactly, but yeah, yeah, that's that sums it up. You know, there's a lot of ways to do it. You know, we got one one housing track that's being built right now that will use flywheels, and you know, when the when the energy is its cheapest, or when the in this case it'll be solar power, when the sun is up, it'll spin those uh, flywheels, and then they continue to spin throughout the night, powering the house. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. That's a kinetic application of of storing the energy. Of course, the best way to store energy is hydrogen. Uh, And so we're using solar panels to create the hydrogen through electrolysis, and then we'll power the fuel cells with it. And the the only byproduct of that will be water. And we've got several different types of plants to create the hydrogen that are now being constructed. Bill Gross from Idea Lab has put a massive project in where they use uh, mirrors focusing on a, a vessel about 40 feet high. It heats to 2,000 degrees and it cracks the hydrogen out of the water vapor. So you get hydrogen and oxygen, both of which you're able to sell. That's going to be a huge plan. We, but the proof of concept was done here in Lancaster initially with uh, land we let them have for nothing. You know, they could use it as long as they needed to. So we're very supportive of any type of new technology. You can get it permitted much, much faster here. You know, when I first broached the subject of a net zero house with BYD out of China, who makes the batteries, and KB Homes, which was America's largest home builder, I had a meeting with them. That's the first thing I learned about being mayor. You can call a meeting and people come. It's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I was asking them to make a home that was affordable and was net zero. They all, uh, everybody at the table, it was a big table. Now couldn't be done, couldn't be done. And so I said, well, what will it take for you to try? You know, what do I got to do to make you just try? And uh, it turned out their biggest concern was the length of time to permit it. And they said, how long will it take to permit? I said, how long do you want it to take? You know, and I looked at my watch. You know, at the end of the day, the merit issues the building permits. Yeah. That's why this really will be solved on a local level. You know, it's been, a, it's been an e-ride. For those of you who don't know what an e-ride is, at Disneyland, that was the best ticket, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They used to give you five tickets, and the E-Ride, was that was the Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, uh, everybody's taking the E-Ride today, getting to listen to Rex Paris, and uh, we'll be back in just one minute on KBC 790. This is Matt Matter, and your host, Unite and Heal America, and uh, talking about some very exciting stuff that Rex has done in Lancaster and continues to do up there. at KBC 790. And again, uh, this is Matt Matter, your host of Night and Heal America. And I've got Rex Paris, mayor of the uh, city of Lancaster. And Rex, you were just talking about the E-Ride, uh, Disneyland, the old days. And one of the things that you discussed was the hydrogen and, and how Lancaster has become 
the, at the forefront of the hydrogen revolution. Tell us a little bit about that. And it sounds like the hydrogen you're creating is green hydrogen, meaning that it's not using any fossil fuels to create. Is that correct? That's correct. Most of it is green. Some of it's blue. We're building a digester. And what, what that'll be is you, you put all of your uh, garden waste, you know, bio waste into it, and it will digest it, turn it into compost and methane, and then you turn the methane into hydrogen. It's not as great as green hydrogen, but it also solves a lot of problems. We have another factory we're building where you you heat it up to 4,000 degrees with plasma torches, and you dump all your paper waste into it, and that splits off the hydrogen. And then the the CO2 that's left, they actually use that in pig farming to euthanize the pigs, interestingly enough. But that, you know, it solves a lot of problems. you got this huge paper waste problem now because nobody's taking it. It's just stacking up. Right. So in terms of CO2 uh, sequestration, is that anything that uh, you're working on up in uh, Lancaster? Not at this time. You know, we really don't. We really don't have the ability to do that. We don't have the means. We don't have, a, you know, we don't have the deep wells to put it in. But, you know, 50 miles away, you have Kern County and they got all those wells, depleted oil wells. You could actually store this stuff in. Right. Well, I guess the other thing is if you're running in net zero city, you're not really uh, creating the carbon to sequester it. So kind of getting around that well, problem entirely. Some of the hydrogen methodologies create carbon that you got to get rid of. But I, th I think, you know, a lot of progress is being made on what to do with the carbon. I think ultimately we're going to be selling it. It's going to have some value. Now, are we able to pull it out of the atmosphere? We're, there are ways away from that. Now, in terms of uh, the hydrogen that you're creating, are you using that to power vehicles or what do you, what's the... Uh the use that you're, end use that you're having for the hydrogen you're creating there? Well, we just signed a deal with Choshu out of Japan. And what they do is they have a product that comes in a shipping container and you hook it up to your solar panels and it makes the hydrogen, fuels the, it'll fuel the city fleet and it will also uh, provide all of the energy for the city hall. That, that's the first project we're doing. I think we only have one hydrogen car now, but ultimately the whole fleet will be hydrogen as soon as we have the ability to produce it. And that, that's really only 18 months away. How about your buses? Uh, what about that? There's not any plan. At this. We just bought the buses. You know, you're going to. There's a lot of debate as to whether or not the hydrogen is more efficient than batteries. You know, and I'm and I haven't really made it made a decision yet as to what it's going to be, but ultimately, if they're able to reduce the cost of the hydrogen like they hope to, yeah, that will you will eventually get rid of uh, battery powered vehicles and go to hydrogen fuel cells, simply because the current expectations are if we if we continue on the path we are now to convert to electric vehicles, we need another three gigs to power it. That's a lot. You know, the that's a Hoover Dam. Now, is that three gigs? Would that just be for Lancaster or is that for California? Or? I think that I think that's for California. Uh, and I may be I may be understating that by a lot. But, you know, the the power consumption of charging those batteries and those vehicles is enormous. You know, the uh, 
the high speed rail they're talking about, that's three gigs. You know, that's Hoover Dam. Hoover Dam's two and a half gigs. So often what we fail to do is see down the road. You know, what's the end result of all this? Uh, that's why hydrogen really is probably going to be the solution. Well, I think that if we can create enough power, which uh, we had a, a landmark day recently where California produced 100% of its energy from renewable sources, which, uh, I mean, it was just for a day or a few hours, but it, we're we're close to, to reaching that. So I think that's with without us really putting our pedal to the metal. I think if we push harder, we're, we're going to be able to create even uh, more energy um, through solar and through wind uh, if we tap this uh, those the sources more. And if we do, then we can create hydrogen at a reasonable cost. And then that's a cleaner fuel than having electric uh, batteries, which requires a lot of mining and, and the like. Yeah, there, there's a lot of problems with batteries on that scale you know, that, that you just don't have with hydrogen. Ultimately, I think everyone recognizes that that will be where we land if we have enough time to land anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, it, it's gotten so dire that people don't even want to think about it. You know that movie, Don't Look Up? Right. That's real. That's absolutely what's happening. Just look at a few of the things that are going to happen. We're about 15 years away from Central America being absolutely uninhabitable. You cannot live there and survive 15 years from now. In the, in the amount of land we're talking about, there are 400 million people in. Where do you think they're going? You know, like the, you know, I always thought that whole idea of a wall was, was absurd because we need the labor force right now. It was, I mean, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense until I thought 15 years from now, we really were going to need that wall and everybody living here is going to want it. I just hope they don't build one in Canada. Uh, <laughs> the, but that's really what's coming, you know, and it's, and it's coming faster than we thought. And the reason it's coming faster than we thought, all of a sudden the ocean is letting go of incredible amounts of methane. And we're not even sure where it's coming from, but it was never anticipated. And, you know, they like to say that methane is like 30 times more damaging to the environment than CO2. No, no, that's over 100 years. Over 10 years, it's 100 times more damaging. And, and we're now at that juncture where 10, 20 years is all we've got. And it's being released in, in amounts the scientists just don't understand. And on top of that, you got the permafrost melting, and there's enormous amounts of methane in the permafrost. This is not an existential threat. It is an existential certainty. Now, we're going to continue to do everything we can to provide the roadmap for people to follow. But quite frankly, I'm getting discouraged. Well, it's it is uh, certainly, <laughs> you know, challenging beyond belief, and it's going to require all of us to focus even more. I applaud your efforts uh, in focusing on it for the last 14 years and and making tremendous strides. Uh, the rest of us need to kind of step up and and start taking the actions that are going to uh, to resolve this problem. But I I uh, I hear you. I um, 
had the opportunity to sit on on Dr. Leslie Fields' class at Stanford the last few weeks. She was a guest on the program, and she's studied uh, the Arctic. She's got the she led the Arctic Ice Project, and she created a silica which was used to help extend the life of ice. And then she, uh, you know, one of the a couple of the researchers she had in her class were talking exactly about the oceans and and both the Antarctica and the Arctic and how the ice is melting a lot faster than they thought. And a lot of factors are coming into play that huge amounts of ice are just coming off the shelf uh, in Antarctica, which they did not expect. So yeah, as to your point, uh, things are, are happening in a dynamic way, which uh, are far worse than even the doomsday suggestions were 10 years ago. So uh, you're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. My guest, uh, Rex Paris, we're going to be back in just one minute. So stay tuned. listening to KBC 790. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and you're listening to Unite and Heal America. I've got uh, Rex Paris on the show. And Rex, uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about a, a defamation case you have against PG&E. Uh, what's going on with the case? And tell us a little bit about it. You know, it's a case in Bakersfield. I represent a farmer who his employee breached what's called a transmission line. It's a 34-inch pipeline under 700 pounds per square inch of pressure. So when it goes off, it goes off like a bomb. It will kill everything within 600 feet. You know, there were people that were badly burned in it. The, the operator of the tractor, he was, I've never seen a body so badly burned. But what PG&E will do, I mean, this is a company that, that has either been convicted or pled guilty to over 90 counts of manslaughter. I mean, that's a serial killer in anybody's book, right? Right. And they have this culture of, I mean, the government gives them money and gives them rate increases to provide a safe working environment and to protect the pipelines, protect the power lines, and protect the nuclear power plants they have, right? They took that money and gave it to executive bonuses is is what we've discovered. Uh, And they didn't spend the money on, on protecting the pipeline. This pipeline runs under our schools, our hospitals, our neighborhoods, it, I mean, it's everywhere. And when it blows, everything dies. It, it's, that's what happened in San Bruno. So I took the case of the farmer who they blamed for this. And as I get more and more engaged in it and find more and more things out, you know, you got employees that are whistleblowers. And then what they'll do is they'll settle the case with the employee. But part of the deal is, is they can never reveal what they know. You know, one guy they gave $4 million to, but he can't ever reveal what he knows. And he said, you know, I can't be a party to more people dying. And he and he's just taking the chance, you know, whatever happens, happens, but he's coming forward. You know, I don't like any of these fossil fuel companies. I mean, at the end of the day, they're killing our, our they're going to kill my grandchildren. I mean, any, any way you say it, that's what's going to happen. But in my opinion, 
PG&E is the worst. I mean, the absolute worst. And the, and the, they keep threatening to take away their franchise, to, to take away their license and give it to somebody else that'll do it more safely. But they don't, you know, and PG&E puts a fortune into the politics of this. And then so I got this lawsuit going on in Bakersfield. And all of a sudden, there's these commercials running constantly about how safe the pipeline is and all the things they're doing to keep it safe. You know, it it borders on jury tampering, I think. Yeah, that's pretty stunning because uh, I've never seen a pipeline commercial in my entire life. And now all of a sudden they're throwing him up in Bakersfield. Uh, You're right. That's pretty crazy. Tell me about the uh, the threats to taking away PG&E's license and how have they skated around that, given that they've been found guilty or pled guilty to 90 counts of manslaughter? How, how did how did they do that? Because it seems as though uh, if this was a person, which uh, corporations are persons under the law, they would be in jail. But here. They continue to operate and make tens of billions of dollars. And it's worse than that. You know, the federal judge put them on probation for five years. The judge that was supervising the probation came out and said they haven't done a damn thing. You know, they they haven't improved in it at all. They, they've just thumbed their nose at us. You know, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it was a scathing report that came out. One of the things they have when you when you dig near a pipeline, you get the it's called a, it's a permit, but they call it a ticket. They found that they had one hundred and thirty seven thousand falsified tickets, meaning fraudulent tickets. Yeah, nothing really happens. They find them. I mean, they find them a lot of money, billions of dollars. But this, they make so damn much money, they just pay the fine. You know, they, they continue to operate the way they want to. It's just shocking to me that that is going on around us. I mean, I'm a pretty callous guy. You know, I see a lot of, you know, rotten stuff. But I had no idea it could be this corrupt. I just wonder, like 137,000 falsified tickets is on top of 90 counts of manslaughter. Which governmental officials are responsible for pulling this license? And uh, who should we be calling to say, hey, it's, it's about time to pull PG&E's license? Ultimately, it'd be the state assembly and state senate that would would make the decision. PUC, the Public Utilities Commission, would have to make the move to do it. But, you know, the PUC has always been a captive agency of the fossil fuel industry. I mean, that's not a secret. You You know, I've seen when people that are in the PUC try to do something, they end up getting getting transferred or demoted. Uh, PG&E's reach is incredible. You know, the National Traffic Safety Board uh, came out and said they obstructed their investigation. They were found guilty of obstructing the National Safety Board investigation. Now, the, the only way you do that is you lie. Well, you know, if you can put Martha Stewart in prison for lying, why can't PG&E executives who are lying to the federal officials be put in jail? They're they're immune. The president, the CEO of PG&E, when they killed eight people in San Bruno, I mean, they burned them to death and then they 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 wiped out a whole neighborhood. The CEO at that time got a thirty five million dollar bonus when he left the company. Thirty five million dollar bonus. You know, 
Don Corleone never did anything that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's uh, it's crime on a scale that's beyond comprehension almost. Right. Uh, And, And it's sanctioned. It's sanctioned by our state government. It really is. Well, it's about time for us uh, citizens to stand up and say, hell, you know, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. You know, I would like to think that that could happen, but it is so pervasive. You know, I mean, it's it's almost like we got to throw it away and start over. Well, that's that's crazy. The level of corruption uh, that they, you know, because you'd think that the the state assembly and uh, the Senate and the governor have all railed against PG&E after the massive fires and all the other things that uh, they've been responsible for. Um, certainly there's been no lack of grandstanding by the politicians to say we're upset with this, but I have not heard enough about it's time to pull their license. They did say it once. They said it in a Senate hearing. And, you know, I think and we think that's why they went after the, the farmer. You know, they're the consummate bully. I mean, they, they tried to crush this guy. And he's a small business owner in Kern County who started out with one tractor. You know, he ended up with 13. The, uh, they, they're merciless. They, they will tell any lie. They will destroy any evidence they need to destroy. Uh, at least that's what I've seen. Well, that's a, it's an unbelievable story. And I know that you will present the case as powerfully as anybody and uh, get a victory for your client and, and hopefully a victory for all of us in the state of California to, to shine a light on these practices so that uh, we, can, we can stop these fossil fuel companies from doing the types of things that they've been doing, as you said, uh, really uh, moving us towards an existential, not threat, but certainty because of their conduct. And they knew and they have known about the, the potential uh, consequences of their actions. I mean, Exxon had a report back in the 80s saying that uh, they knew that uh, the carbon, the CO2 content would rise to 430 parts per million and that all of these consequences would occur. They, of course, buried the report and continued to do exactly Uh, what they could to increase the level of uh, CO2 in the atmosphere, uh, putting us all at risk and putting the entire planet at risk. I mean, you can't think of anything more criminal and heinous than that conduct, but uh, that's what they did. So uh, you're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. We'll be back in just one minute with my guest, uh, Rex Paris. Listen to KBC 790. This is Matt Mattern, your host of Unite Heal America. I've got Mayor Rex Paris on the show. And Mayor, I just kind of wanted to pivot back a bit to what's the percentage of power that the city and the residents of Lancaster are using that come from renewable sources? Depends on how you do the math, but how we do do the math is what is our consumption? And it's about 150 to 160 bags. And how much do we produce from the sun? Well, it's over 200 megs now, you know, so it's just simple arithmetic. But you use the grid to exchange it, you follow me? You transfer it through the grid. And we're the first city to have reached that. That's pretty amazing. So you're getting it 
from solar and from uh, from wind. What percentage is from solar and what percentage from wind? About ninety eight percent from solar. Ninety eight percent solar. Yeah. Now, is is there a, a a plan at some point to, in time to do a little bit more in the area of wind, or are you? doing everything with solar you know the problem with wind is it, it's so erratic the whole state would be 100 percent renewable right now if we could store it and that's why hydrogen is so critical because hydrogen is just a way to store the energy you use the solar panels you use the wind whatever you could even use nuclear and electrolysis to make the hydrogen and now you store it it's it's nature's battery you know, it's what powers the sun, you know, but that's the problem is that in storage, not in the production, you know, we, 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 we absolutely could produce all the energy we need. It's how to store it. Do you have, uh, do you have any dams up in the Lancaster area where you can store some of the energy in the, in the dam and then have it run down at night and things of that nature? You know, that, that's, uh, that's kinetic storage and it's great. Uh, but no, <laughs> <laughs> not everybody is lucky enough to have a, a dam in their backyard. Right, right. So in terms of uh, your collaboration with other governmental en entities, have you collaborated much with the state of California and the political leaders in Sacramento in achieving the environmental successes Lancaster has had? Or is that something that you all have been able to accomplish uh, mostly locally without uh, state help? Up until the last few years, it was just us in the wilderness. <laughs> the, uh, but now the state has become really responsive and they're working with us and, and I'm very hopeful. And it's, and it's hard for them to do that because, you know, I'm a Republican, you know, and, and that does make a difference. But they turn a blind eye to my Republican philosophies <laughs> that are now working with me. I don't, I don't lockstep with any of them. And just because I'm working with you on energy doesn't mean I'm going to approve of how you're handling the COVID epidemic, you know, as an example. And so that creates kind of a, an obstacle for them sometimes. But, you know, it seems like the people in, in charge have finally said, yeah, but he, he's able to make it happen. <laughs> you know? Right. Because, you know, we, we do. We proceed in, at a, an incredible speed that nobody else can, can touch, you know. And primarily it's because I have this great council in a great city in, in, in like the school districts, the hospital district, the water district. They've all kind of coalesced around the idea that if it's energy, I'll, I'll make the decision. They trust me now. You know, they trust me to make the right decision. And, and so we're able to proceed much quicker across the board. It's sort of like what happened in a lot of communities with COVID. You know, the, the threat of COVID was such that everybody started working together who had never worked together before. And that, that, that is what you have in this city in regards to uh, alternative energy. Well, that's, that's great. And uh, collaboration is so important. I, I had Senator Ben Allen on, on the show a couple of times, and uh, he's also worked, uh, you know, done a lot of great work on environmental issues. And I just thought that he would be a great uh, person to work with you to, to get some stuff done, you know, with you as a model for what other communities can and should be doing. I'd love to work with them. You know, they, I'm looking forward to the change in Board of Supervisors because I think Bob Hertzberg is going to win. And I, I've 
been to energy conference after energy conference after over the last 10 years across the world where I keep running into Bob Hertzberg. He understands this issue better than anybody. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it, which, and it's kind of difficult because I like Stern too, you know, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes two good men run against each other. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, what about same question as the national government in Washington, D.C.? Uh, you've been through a couple of administrations, both Republican and Democrat. Uh, have have you gotten much help from the feds in terms of uh, forwarding the work that you've done on the environment in Lancaster? Well, you know, the Trump administration was, was not a big believer in all this. Uh, you now have the Biden administration, but he's having to rebuild you know, all of these agencies, and they really haven't got their feet on the ground yet. Uh, I do work with the EPA a lot. You know, they, they gave me the award as the, the green power leader of the country. Uh, but I don't see a lot of, I'd like to see it go faster. You know, I mean, if the feds wanted to, they could come in and convert this city to hydrogen tomorrow. And then now we'd have a functioning city that's hydrogen based that the world could follow. And, you know, but the politics gets in the way. And, you know, whenever it's a, an entitlement of any kind, nobody looks at, well, can you actually do it? You know, they just compete for the money that they would then proceed to waste. You know? I mean, look at the homeless thing. Billions went into and no progress whatsoever. Look at our homeless center. You know, it is state of the art. It it's far cost far less than anything anybody else is doing. The politics is going to be the death of us. Well, let me uh, let me ask you about uh, the Biden administration's. I think first Earthshot goal, which I don't know if you've heard of the Earthshots that they have. It hasn't been a big PR success because I don't see it ever on uh, any kind of mainstream uh, news site. But it was to create hydrogen at one dollar per kilo, and that if they did that, then hydrogen would be. Uh, less expensive than gas and and any other power source. So, what do you think is happening on that front? And uh, I can tell you, I can tell you what's happening. You know, I get calls from from different state assembly members or senate members, and they want to talk to me about hydrogen. And I'm always I'm always surprised how little they know about it. But they're competing for those funds. It's disappointing to me. You know, because it's 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 still just a political decision. You know, if you really want to make hydrogen the source, we'll do it in three years. You know, I, I don't have any doubt. In three years, we could convert this whole city. We could convert the surrounding cities. We'll be producing hydrogen at an incredibly low rate. I don't know if we'd hit the dollar right away. But, you know, instead... What they'll do is they'll put those programs out and they'll talk about it for two years. Let me ask you, Rex, because we only have a minute or so left, is like, what would you do? What's kind of the blueprint or at least the rough blueprint for three years to get to to uh, Lancaster as a city run solely on hydrogen? We're already moving in that direction. We're, we're, we're opening. We'll be building a factory within the next couple of months to do the fuel cells. The uh, we now know how to produce the hydrogen, right? We just need to put those fuel cells on the buildings and we need to get Southern California gas out of our way. 
You know, we need those pipelines they have, the distribution lines they have to distribute the hydrogen to the homes. If we did that, it would be, we'd already be there. The stopgap to that is 30% of the, the gas content we could convert to hydrogen right away. And that lowers the footprint in the poison gases that are in your homes because of natural gas that people don't really realize demonstrably. I mean, much, much, much less. That's a that's a thing we could do today. Today. That's a, that's a great point. And I think uh, a lot of people don't recognize this. I didn't recognize it until a hydrogen expert uh, had been on the show who's a professor at UCI. And he said, yes, we could put a percentage of the natural gas that's currently coming into our stoves could be hydrogen. So if uh, we could do 30% of our instead of natural gas, hydrogen, we're cleaning up our uh, environment right there. So, you know, these are the, the types of changes we can make immediately. Uh, Rex, it's been a pleasure having you on the show as always, and uh, look forward to having you back at some point in time. And, uh, you know, keep up the great work you're doing in Lancaster and, and we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch, okay? Thank you very much, Matt. You listen to KBC 790, Unite Heal America. We'll be back next week and stay tuned. As you may know, your host, Matt Mattern of Unite and Heal America, is also the founder of Mattern Law Group. Their team of experienced employment, consumer, and environmental attorneys are dedicated to leveling the playing field by giving everyone access to the highest quality legal representation. Contact 844-MLG-FOR-YOU. That's 844-MLG-FOR-YOU or 844-654-4968. 844-654-4968. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Media Airtime LLC and Matt Mattern.